the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Good morning, everyone. Um, you're listening to Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi, and we want to thank you for joining us today in yet another wonderful, wonderful, uh, Lord willing, episode uh, with my dear brother, Sam Shamoun, who's been joining me graciously for the last few weeks now uh, for uh, the benefit of all of you uh, to hear it from the mouth of a, an apologist, uh, a theologian that I have a high regard for, and uh, the Lord has been using him, and I pray that we'll continue to use him to the glory of his name. Uh, so you can always Google Sam Shamoun. You can always go to uh, uh, his blog, uh, and I will have him, of course, give you all these details. You can go to the website, answering-islam.org, for instance, or answering uh, Islam blog, uh, and he will give you all these, uh, like I said, information to be able to benefit from. Last week, we started a new series uh, with my dear brother here, talking about uh, Jesus as defined in the Quran, uh, and the reason why this is important, by the way, for all of us, because if you look at the Quran and talk to a Muslim person, um, you may get mixed messages. For instance, uh, Jesus defined in the Quran as a messenger, as a prophet, no different than anybody else. For instance, than the other, any of the other messengers, and in fact, the Quran expressly, uh, ex- expressly also denies certain uh, beliefs, Christian beliefs or doctrines, right? It appears, at least, it's denying certain things, like Jesus' crucifixion, for instance, uh, his divinity, his sonship. Um, Yet, if you really look at individual passages, and sometimes even putting them in within the context where they are mentioned, you begin to see a different positive image of Jesus in the Quran that actually elevate Jesus above all other messengers, including elevating him above Muhammad himself, and even elevating the status of Jesus from being just a human being. And that's really what we're focusing on and zooming on right now with my brother Sam. Sam, uh, thank you for joining us again, brother. Uh, and uh, as always, it's a, it's a privilege to have you in the show. Yes, the privilege and pleasure is all mine. I thank the Lord Jesus for using me to glorify his name and to bless you and the people of God. And I pray that he uses our meager efforts to strengthen the household of faith and to bring Muslims to his feet, the only hope of salvation. And I trust the Lord Jesus will anoint this session to protect us from error and to speak truth passionately and boldly in Jesus' name. So praise God. Thank you for having me again. Amen, brother. So I'll turn it over to you now. Uh, I know you want to continue. Last week we built some foundations about similarities and differences between the view on Jesus uh, in the Quran. Uh, now you want to take it to a step further, I think, and talk about some of the powerful titles given to him. Yeah, exactly. And I want to make it clear that I'm not denying that the Quran states that Jesus is a mere human slave of Allah. It actually states that. 
at least in one place explicitly, 4359 of the Quran. <clears throat> 4359, speaking of Jesus, it says, He is nothing but a slave upon whom we bestowed favor, and we made him a pattern for the children of Israel. So here it's quite clear that the Quran says that Jesus is nothing more than a slave, a human slave at that. However, because Muhammad is not a prophet, even though I do believe, and I need to make this clear, I do believe he's under demonic influence, if not direct satanic influence, and that I do believe a spirit did visit him and inspired him to concoct this revelation in order to keep mankind away from the true God. We can do a session on that in the future, but still, <clears throat> I believe that spirit that was working through Muhammad had Muhammad adopt and adapt enough Christian truth that he then perverted and twisted with the hopes of getting Christians to consider his prophetic claims. After all, since Muhammad was engaging Jews and Christians, it would make no sense for him to deny Jesus altogether. So he had to affirm enough truth about Jesus to get Christians to consider his message seriously. Because today, if someone comes and says, I'm a prophet, but Jesus is a farce, no Christian is going to take him seriously, at least no Christian who knows his faith. So obviously, Muhammad couldn't go that route and just deny Jesus altogether. But in adopting and adapting certain Christian beliefs and theological <clears throat> terms, Muhammad didn't realize, nor did the Spirit realize, that this would end up exposing Muhammad as a false prophet and that the Quran is an inconsistent scripture. And here, let me explain what I mean. Chapter 4, verse 171. Let's begin with that. Chapter 4, verse 171, this is addressed to the Christians. Now notice the irony of this passage, because it's rebuking Christians for believing that Allah has a son and for saying that Allah is three, <clears throat> which in the context of the Quran means three gods, not three persons, one God. So the phrase three in the Quran, it doesn't address the Trinity. Correct. Because the Trinity says that God is three and one, one and three. But here, the phrase three in the Quranic context means three gods. Allah, Mary, his consort, and Jesus. We can talk about that in the future, but anyway, let's read 4171. Notice what it says. People of the book, Ahl al-Kitab, which normally means Jews or Christians, and depending on the context, it's either Jews or the Christians. Correct. Here, it's specifically Christians. Ahl al-Kitab, people of the book, go not beyond the bonds in your religion, and say not as to Allah, but the truth. Don't say anything about, about Allah except that it's true. The Messiah, Jesus, now notice he's called the Messiah here, and Messiah. The Arabic cognate of the Hebrew word Mashiach, Greek Christos, so the Christ, Jesus, son of Mary, was the messenger of Allah. Or you can say apostle of Allah, because the Arabic word Rasul is also the Arabic term used in the Arabic Bible in reference to an apostle. So the apostle Paul would be called Rasul Bolis, right? Right. So the apostle of Allah, and his words, now watch this, and his words, that he cast down to Mary and a spirit from him. So believe in Allah and his messengers and say not three. Refrain. Better is it for you. Allah is only one God. And we say amen. God is only one God. Now the Allah of the Quran is not the true God, but be that as it may. Glory be to him that he should have a son. To him belongs all that is in the heavens and in the earth. God suffices for a guardian. Now let's come back to titles here. Jesus is the Messiah. We all agree. He is the Apostle of God. Now, some Christians may not be comfortable with calling Jesus an Apostle, but in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, our own Bible, the only word that God has revealed, <clears throat> says this of Jesus. Therefore, holy brother, partakers in a heavenly calling, consider the Apostle and High Priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. So notice, the New Testament calls Jesus the Apostle, because what is an Apostle? 
someone sent out with a message, a sent out one. And Jesus was sent out by God, from God in heaven, with God's message to mankind. So Jesus is the apostle par excellence. He is the only perfect apostle the world has ever seen, because all other apostles were human beings who were imperfect and sinful and did sin. He's the only one, the only human apostle that's absolutely flawless and sinless. Now, by extension, that title can also apply to angels like Gabriel and Michael, Correct. because they too are sent. But the point is, no Christian should have a problem with Jesus being called an apostle. He is the apostle of the Father, the apostle of God. So there, we agree with the Quran, or I can say the Quran agrees with us. And even Jesus okay. says, just as the Father sent me, I too send you. Uh, so he is... Amen. Yep. Hallelujah. So that's in, yeah, you find that. It's scripture, John 17, 18, and John 20, 21, right? So now Christian may be uncomfortable with calling, the Jesus, calling Jesus a spirit from God. For example, it says, he is Allah's word, his word, he committed to Mary, and a spirit from him. Now many Christians may not be comfortable with calling the Jesus, ah, uh, Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus, a spirit from Allah, or spirit from God. Well, they shouldn't be, because let's see what the Apostle Paul says about our Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 15.45. In 1 Corinthians 15.45, this is what the Apostle Paul says about the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, the first man, the first man, Adam, became a living soul, literal translation, living soul. The second Adam, a life-giving spirit, a life giving spirit. So he calls our Lord Jesus, the second, last Adam, a life-giving spirit. Because after all, before Jesus became flesh, he existed as spirit. Being the divine Son, being God, who existed with the Father eternally, he did not exist as a flesh and blood human being. That's something he assumed later on, in time, from his blessed mother. Amen, brother. And that's something... That's something important, but, by the way, brother, for us to clarify to our dear brothers and sisters that I feel sometimes they're not aware of that. For instance, Paul himself in Galatians mentioned that, that God sent the Spirit of his Son. Amen. The Holy Spirit belongs to the Father and the Son. And here Jesus is said to be life and Spirit because it's referring to Jesus and his deity. Jesus as deity, as God, is Spirit, in that as God, he is immaterial, non-spatial, <clears throat> right, incorporeal. Because God, by nature, being spirit, doesn't occupy time, space, and place, because God created all time, space, and place. Therefore, logically, he exists before time, and therefore it's timeless. He exists before space and place, and therefore he's immaterial, incorporeal, not spatial. That's who God is, by, na- by, by nature. And if Jesus is God by nature, then that means Jesus eternally exists as spirit, meaning an immaterial, <clears throat> non-temporal, incorporeal, timeless being. Well, yes, he is spirit, and before he became flesh, he exists as spirit, and even now, in heaven, although he's still man with a physical body, and we need to affirm that, he has a physical glorified body, because when God raised Jesus, he raised Jesus with his physical glorified body, he's still fully human, possessing an incorruptible physical body, right? Right. But still, he's also God, and as God, he's still spirit. He is spirit who took on an additional nature of, of, of man, and as man, he has a physical body. So I just want to make that clear, and we can revisit that later on. Because before we understand Islamic theology, we must understand our own theology. Absolutely. Because it defeats the purpose. If as a Christian, I know more about Islam than I know about my own Bible and my own faith. And you know, I want to just hammer this point out uh, to all of you who are listening. When I started my discipleship with Sam, this is the first thing he told me. 
it doesn't make any sense for you to learn about Islamic theology if you do not know what we believe in. Exactly. I mean, you're trying to win Muslims to the truth. And the truth is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ as preserved in the inspired pages of the Bible. Well, if you don't know what the Bible teaches, then you don't know the truth. So what are you inviting them to? Exactly. We need to know this. Right? Amen. So again, as a Christian, I have no problem. I agree. So far, I say amen. Everything crossed is here. Amen. Messiah. Amen. Son of Mary. Amen. Spirit from Allah or God. Amen. <clears throat> Apostle of God. Amen. But here's where it points to the pre-human existence and divinity of Christ. Notice it says, Jesus is God's word that he cast down to Mary. Now, you know the Arabic. The Arabic clearly says that this was a word cast down. If it's cast down, that means this word came from above. Above where? Where did this word come from? It came from Allah. It came from God. So where God was, that's where this word originates. It originates from God above, and then it came down to Mary. Well, what is this that came down to Mary? Jesus, because Jesus is the Word. Well, for Jesus to come down to Mary as the Word of God means that Jesus existed before he came to Mary. Well, if he existed before he came to Mary, that means he existed above with God. Therefore, this passage, whether Muslims like it or not, affirms the pre-human existence of Jesus, that before he entered Mary's womb, he already existed with Allah, alongside Allah, as Allah's word, and a spirit from him. Again, the phrase spirit from him implies that. A spirit from whom? Allah. So the Quran is envisioning that Jesus existed in heaven above as God's word, as a spirit who existed alongside Allah, and then from Allah's presence he came down and entered the womb of Mary to become flesh. That sure sounds like the incarnation to me. Absolutely. Doesn't it? And the word became flesh. Thank you. So what you have Muhammad doing is hearing this Logos personality, that Jesus is the Logos, the Word of God, the reason of God, that then became flesh, adopting it and not realizing in doing that, he pretty much contradicts himself, because he wants us to say that Jesus is only a human servant. But how can he be a mere human servant if he existed before he became man, in the presence of Allah, in the presence of God, as God's Word, and a spirit that was there with God, with Allah, who then came down to Mary. Correct. And that contradicts the very assertion of Surah 4359, but it gets a little worse for the Muslims who believe that the Quran denies the deity of Christ. If God and, and Jesus existed alongside each other, and if Jesus was there with God in heaven above, or above the seven heavens, because in Islam theology it gets a little more complex, Allah, God, is above the seven heavens. In Islamic theology, according to the cross, there are seven heavens that Allah created. And above the seven heavens, you have the throne of Allah. And above the throne is Allah. So Allah is above the seven heavens. Well, if Jesus came down from Allah, that means Jesus existed with Allah above the seven heavens, above the throne, before he came down, because he existed as his word and a spirit. Now, here's the question I ask Muslims. Is the word of God created or uncreated? Well, they have to say uncreated. Because at no point in time did God exist apart from his word. God was not devoid of his word, his ability to communicate, his ability to speak, his ability to reveal himself. Because that's what it means to be the word. The word means God's communication. God speaks to us. So God has always existed with his word, with his ability to speak, to communicate, to reveal himself. Well, if the word is eternal, uncreated, and Jesus is that word that was with God before he came down, 
then that means Jesus, by nature, is uncreated. Because if you say Jesus is created, then that means God's Word is created. That means God, at some point in time, existed without a word, without his ability to communicate. Therefore, God wasn't perfect, because he later on acquired his ability to speak. You know, he created his Word, and therefore became perfect, so that Allah, or God, experienced a profound change in his nature. Do you see the problem? Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. And also, I want to just uh, point something real quickly here for people that may not notice this. Of course, in the Bible, uh, when uh, the Scripture says, and the Word became flesh, uh, uh, the, the Word is feminine, but it talks about when it became flesh in the masculine. The same thing is yeah. happening here in the verse of the, of the Quran, chapter 4, 171. It talks about uh, al-Masih, uh, masculine, Isa, masculine name, Rasul, masculine name. And then it talks about wa kalimatullah, kalimatuhu, meaning in the feminine, and distinguishing between the kalima in the feminine and yet applying it to a masculine, which grammatically speaking in Arabic also right. doesn't work unless there is something here that Muhammad was trying to relate to us based on his understanding. Yeah, and to confirm what you just said, in 345 of the Quran, about the Arabic. In 345, it says this. When the angel said, chapter 3, verse 45, Mary, Allah, God gives me good tidings, good news of a word from him. A word from him. Kalimat, feminine. Kalimat is feminine. Whose name is Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary? Ismuhu. Ismuhu is masculine. So here you have the word, which is feminine. Kalimat, feminine. Ismuhu is masculine, and then Messiah Isa, which is masculine. So how can you have a feminine subject give, being <clears throat> given a masculine identity? Because this shows that this word that we're speaking of is not impersonal. It's not simply a thought in God's mind. It's an actual person, a masculine person, so to speak. And that person happens to be Jesus, because it says the very word, word's name, the very identity of the word is the Messiah Jesus. So that's chapter 3, verse 45. So that confirms your point. You can confirm those points of grammar. Is it not true that the, the word Ismuhu is masculine? Absolutely. And to further confirm the masculine identity of Kalima, which is the Arabic word for word, that's it right. says Al-Masih Isa. That's correct. Clear, right? That's correct. So yep. again, Muhammad again is taking Christian theology adopting it as part of the cross, then yes, Jesus is the Word. The Word's identity is the Messiah. The Word is a personal being, so to speak. It has a personality, it has a personal identity, and that identity is the Messiah Jesus. So Muhammad is confirming this, but not realizing it, confirming it, he's contradicting himself. Because God's Word is uncreated by nature. For the Word to become flesh, for Jesus to be that Word that was with Allah before He came down to Mary, that means Jesus is eternal and He's not part of creation. Now, the Muslims try to get around this by saying the following. The reason why Jesus is called the Word of Allah, the Word of God, is because God created Him by His command, His Word, Kun. Because He said to, to Mary, Kun, say a Kun. Kun, be, and it is. In other words, Jesus is simply God's Word because God uses Word to create Him. Now, let me refute that, that assertion. If it's true that Jesus is God's Word, simply because God created him by his Word of command, then that would make anything and everything that God created by his Word the Word of God. In fact, that would make Adam the Word of God, 
Because also the Quran says that Allah said, God said to Adam, be and you are. That's chapter 3, verse 59, which tries to liken Jesus to Adam, where it says that Allah created Adam from dust and said, Kun, say a Kun, be and he is. It is, he was. But unfortunately for the Muslims, although the Quran says that Allah created Adam by his word, nowhere is Adam ever said to be the word of Allah. Now, why is that? Why is Adam never identified as Word of Allah. Because the phrase Word of Allah does not refer to someone or something created by the Word of Allah. That's simply a desperate sin, a desperate attempt by Muslims to deny the divine implications of Jesus being called the Word of God. In other words, Jesus is not called the Word of God because he was created by the Word of God. Because if that's the case, then Adam should have been called the Word of God. And he's nowhere said to be the Word of God. Is that clear? Exactly. And, and of course, even the verse in the Quran that compares uh, Jesus to Adam fails to show where, when Jesus was pronounced to Mary, that he was created in such fashion. Exactly. He never said to Mary, be, and she was. In fact, it says that Allah breathed his spirit into Mary's body. Exactly. And the spirit caused her, caused her to get pregnant, right? That's correct. So now here you have a problem, Muslim. If you're a Muslim listening, you have a problem. The Quran says Jesus existed in heaven, in fact, above the seven heavens, above the throne with Allah, as the very word of Allah and a spirit alongside of him. And then he came down to Mary to become flesh. Now, if I'm correct, if my interpretation of these passages is correct, that Jesus' origin is not earthly, but he originates from Allah himself, or God, from above the seven heavens, above the throne, then I would expect that Jesus will return from the place he originates. In other words, when human beings die, they return to the dust, right? That's correct. Because we all come from Adam, Adam came from dust. In fact, when Muhammad died, he was buried, right? Right. But if Jesus is not from the earth, if he's not earthly, he's actually heavenly, he's actually from Allah, from God above, then we'd expect that when his earthly ministry ends, he doesn't go to the dust, but he returns to his place of origin. Surprise, Uh surprise, lo and behold, what do we find? The Quran. Chapter 3, verse 55, right. Allah says to Jesus, I'm gathering you to myself. I am gathering you to myself. I am gathering thee and raising thee to myself. Confirmed in 4158. 4.158 says, Allah raised Jesus to himself. Notice, just like Jesus came down from Allah, he returned to Allah because he doesn't originate from the earth. Did you catch that? That is correct, my brother. And you know... Uh, We are almost running out of time, and this is a deep topic, as everybody can see. And if you're joining us, of course, you're listening to Let Us Reason, and I'm your host, Al-Fadi, with me here, my dear brother, Sam Shimon, who have been talking at least part two of this wonderful series on how we can prove the deity of Christ uh, to our Muslim friends from the Quran, and hopefully that will be a bridge to build uh, to lead them back to the Bible to give the fuller picture of who our Lord Jesus Christ is. Brother, with this limited time, we have about maybe three minutes, give or take. Um, if there is any closing points here and uh, what the appetites of people about what, what else we're going to talk about next time. Yeah, Lord willing, we're going to have to go further in the next session and unpack the other, the other titles and functions attributed to Jesus in the Quran and their divine implications. So there's more to come, Lord willing. But I just want to qualify my use of the Quran. Because the Muslim can say, well, why are you quoting the Quran when you don't believe the Quran? Which would be a good, a good question. And here's my reason. I don't believe the Quran is the Word of God. I do believe the Quran contains truth. Anytime the Quran agrees with the Bible, 
that has to be true, because the Bible is the truth of God revealed. Amen? Amen. So, when it affirms that Jesus is born a virgin, why would I object? Secondly, I don't believe that the Jesus of the Quran is the true Jesus of history, who is the Christ revealed in the New Testament. Amen. However, I appeal to the Quran because Muslims believe it. So I'm using their own source of authority to show them that their own source of authority points away from Muhammad and points to the true Jesus revealed in the New Testament, and they need to take that message seriously and return to Christ, their only hope of salvation. So I just want to make it clear, I don't believe the God of the Quran is the sin true God revealed in Christ. I don't believe the Quranic Isa is the Jesus of history, who is the Christ of the New Testament. But since Muslims believe that, and since the Quran is authority for them, I'm using their own authority to bring them to the truth of the Gospel, Amen. similar to, to Paul quoting pagans to prove the truth of the Gospel. So Amen. I want to make that qualification. Everybody, you can always uh, Google Sam Shamoon and go to uh, our website, uh, answering-islam.org, and also to Answering Islam blog. And uh, uh, next week, Lord willing, we will continue with this wonderful series. And you've been listening to Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al-Fadi. And as always, you can always go to our website to just listen to this episode and the previous ones on our archive at sirainternational.com. Once again, Sira with a C as in Charlie, sirainternational.com. Until we meet again. Have a blessed week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.